You're listening to The Beauty Debut. I'm your host, Claudia Fabian. As someone who has spent over 25 years in the beauty industry as an esthetician, makeup artist, and in professional sales, I want to share what I've learned. Allow me to be your beauty avatar and give you a behind-the-scenes look at what it's really like to work in the world of beauty. And follow me as I navigate how to age gracefully. And remember, it's never too late to make your debut. This podcast is about all things beauty inside and out. Tune in every week to hear my conversations with the amazing professionals who are working in all aspects of the beauty industry. Get the scoop on the latest trends and learn firsthand insider tips and tricks to help you look and feel your very best. I'm so happy to have you here. The Beauty Debut starts now. Virginia, I am so excited to pick your brain and talk to you about your tremendous success and all of your knowledge about sales. And I thought this was appropriate time to bring you into the conversation because many of us in sales and even estheticians and people working in their business are forced at this point to be on the phone more than ever (laughs) because of COVID. So Virginia, I can't wait for you to share all your amazing tips on today's episode of The Beauty Debut. Thank you, Virginia, for being here. Thank you, Claudia. First of everything, I really appreciate you having me as a guest in your podcast. This is a lot of fun. Yes, and I can't wait for everyone to hear how amazing you are, not only at sales, but selling over the phone, which I think is a whole different ballgame. And I know a lot of us can benefit from your knowledge and your experience. And I know later on in the conversation, you'll be sharing some tips. So I'm excited. But first, I wanted just to have everyone meet you. Um, Virginia, tell us about how you got started in the beauty industry. Yes, well, um, I got started when I was 20 years old. Um, That was about 22 years ago, <laughs> and um, I got started by just going, I had a passion for skin since a very young age and makeup, and it was something that I always wanted to do, and I was going to the University of Central Oklahoma, getting my degree in general science and piano performance and education at the time, but my true calling deep down in my heart was still beauty. And I kind of passed it through my parents at the time because they were taking care of my college expenses and they were helping me out become a successful individual in the future. And I told them that I wanted to finish college, but I really wanted to also go to esthetician school. And uh, my dad was really just totally for it. And he helped me. Uh, get enrolled and I became an esthetician and that's kind of how it all started. I I kind of knew deep down that this was where I wanted to be. Yeah, and I think it's kind of funny. I mean, um, you know, here you are in Oklahoma and you left <laughs> the beautiful country of Spain <laughs> to come to Oklahoma of all places. So I mean, was that like a culture shock when you came from, I know you're from the Canary Islands of Spain, and 
I mean, I can just picture the ocean and the beautiful old <laughs> buildings and the great food and everything. And then you come to Oklahoma. So what was that? <laughs> what was that? Like, tell me about that. It was definitely a shock. I'm not going to lie. You know, I was, I think I was 16 years old when I first came to the United States and I came as an exchange student to learn English. And I was going to most likely go back and uh, go to the university in Spain. But after I finished high school, I decided to stay in America because the cultural shock was done by then. But the first two years were tough. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, the food was different. People were different. I really couldn't speak much of the language. Um, I felt kind of silly talking in English. To this day, I kind of still do. And <laughs> And yeah, it was it was a unique experience. We didn't have beaches like in Spain. Um, it was a lot more conservative. Um, Oklahoma was a lot more conservative than Europe in many different levels. And coming up here, I thought, well, you know, America is the land of the freedom and it's going to be so different from Europe. But it was it was just a very big shock because all of my expectations were totally different from reality. Actually, Oklahoma turned out to be a lot more conservative than Canary Islands, Spain was. And I actually felt like freedom wise, I had more freedoms back home than here. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that changed as I grew older and um, I enjoyed, you know, the U.S. a lot and decided to stay and go to college here because I loved it so much. So I think it was a matter of just, you know, getting used to a new culture, which I think it's always kind of a shock. Yeah, it was just an, an adjustment. And I think, you know, in, in kind of a, a weird way, that probably prepared you for your life as a sales executive because you're constantly having to adapt um, you're, you know, thrown into new situations on a daily basis and you have to kind of quickly think on your feet and adjust. And I think that probably was really good preparation for, you know, where you are today. Yes, it probably was. Definitely. I mean, you do have to become flexible, um, adjust to new people and new cultures and differences of personality between, you know, around you. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it definitely was a learning experience. And I know that, you know, obviously you spent some time, you know, practicing aesthetics, but how did you make that transition into sales? Because not, you know, not every esthetician ends up, you know, wanting to, first of all, <laughs> you know, it takes a special person to want to get into outside sales, inside sales, sales in general. Um, it's a whole different you know, ball game from being in a spa and working with your guests one-on-one. -on -one. So what made you take that leap into the sales side of the business? To be honest, um, it only started when I actually started having my own business as an esthetician. I had my own booth rent. Um, it was a tiny little space I was renting out when um, I started. First, I worked for Le Visage, it's a Norman, Oklahoma spa. That was my first job. And after that, I went ahead and opened my own space. In my own space, I realized that I was actually doing a lot of services on a regular basis, and, and that was really going well. 
But my forte was actually recommending skincare or makeup and, you know, making sure that they had the proper home care. Um, I know that's something that's always been, for most estheticians, that's a little bit difficult. For me, it was something that came natural. And I realized that more and more when my days, um, I realized that I was making more money selling home care products than actually doing services. Um, so that's how it all started by realizing I had this natural ability mm. and realizing that that's where I was doing my best and feeling the most comfortable and decided to pursue it because I decided that that's really where my passion was in a really strange way. My passion was recommending proper skincare for home more than doing the actual services. And I guess that's how it all started. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we all start somewhere and you have just, you know, been a huge success in the sales side of things for sure. Um, you and I, you know, worked together um, for several years with a skincare and makeup company. And that's how, you know, we initially met. And, you know, you yes. were just, you know, always in the top um, bracket for, for sales. And so I definitely want to pick your brain on that. And I know you also um, more recently became um, a sales manager of a team of inside sales professionals. And so I definitely want to talk about that. But first, when you were a sales executive, can you share like, what is like the craziest thing that happened to you while you were out working in sales in, in the field? <laughs> Well, you know, there is definitely times that are a little bit crazy in the sales industry, but I've always been pretty lucky. I've never had anything too crazy happen to me besides one time, one specific time that I can truly remember that kind of left me a bit in shock. Um, but I've been lucky besides that. And this one time was in Portland, Oregon, believe it or not. I was uh, prospecting. Um, I would be an inside sales uh, at the time for osmosis skincare, and I traveled uh, to Oregon to meet some accounts that were ready to open and some actual customers to do some trainings and such. And during my prospecting and cold doors, I enter one account in particular, and this account was not really happy to see me. I, I think they were already having a possibly a bad day. And as soon as I enter and I brought them some information, some samples, my business card, she just looked at me and she grabbed my information and the samples that I had just uh, left on top of the uh, counter for her while I was talking to her. And she grabbed it and she just threw it at my face. And I was like, and she's like, just get your information and samples and get out of here. And I was <laughs> and oh I was just God. like, I didn't even know what to say because no one had ever been that rude to me before. Um, so I was a little bit shocked by the whole situation. But I just, you know, I just said, well, thank you for your time. And I took my samples. <laughs> I took my information and I left. <laughs> oh and I never came back. <laughs> I, well, yeah, you wouldn't want to come back and you add that into the CRM notes. Uh, this is a weird, <laughs> a weird account not going back. Um, Oh my gosh. I yeah. mean, it's just so crazy that, you know, I think that that does happen. I think 
to all of us at one point where you're just kind of in the <laughs> wrong place at the wrong time. And this person has, you know, hit their limit for the day and uh, kind of explode all over you because obviously it wasn't about you. You probably, like I said, were the victim, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I think I was, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I think she was having a really bad day Clearly. and she took it on my information and samples. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Who turns away samples, by the way? I mean, if somebody gives right? me free samples, I'll at least take them. I may not purchase them, but I'll definitely try it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, usually customers just never call you back or never answer their phone calls or emails, but that was just <laughs> a, a unique way to tell you they're not interested. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very unique and very to the point. At least you knew where you stood, right? Yes, definitely knew that I wasn't going to be contacting this account again. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, you know, as a sales executive, you know, I mean, everybody has their own style. Everybody has their own way that works for them. And, you know, obviously you and I worked with a very, you know, diverse team that had lots of unique talents and everybody, you know, had their own way, right? But for you, you know, being mainly focusing on inside sales, you know, you did a lot of this strictly by the phone. You know, you traveled to your prospects and accounts on a quarterly basis, but most of your time was spent day in and day out on the phone all day long. And what always blew me away is your ability to close and open new doors, you know, close sales, open new doors, service accounts, all from being on the phone and, you know, of course, you know, now with technology doing video and Zoom calls and all of that, you know, so amazing to me that you were always on the top um, of the sales team tier just from working from, you know, home on your phone. So, you know, for, for those of us that are mainly in outside sales, you know, that's, like I said, a whole different ballgame. So I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, what do you think made you so successful just from being on the phone. And I think a lot of us can learn from you because those that are really good in outside sales sometimes just, you know, don't do well selling over the phone. Like they have to be in person. How did you, how did you work that? Like, tell us your magic secret potion. I mean, I think um, there is a magic secret potion for every single individual, right? We all have our own uh, techniques and ways of doing our own thing that creates results. For me, I think it's being a human being. I think it's whenever you make a call to not be attached of the expectation that they are going to be either talking to you or hanging up on you. Mm -hmm. You cannot be attached to any sort of outcome because when it comes to making calls, most people will hang up on you most people will not even give you the time of the day or they won't even pick up your phone, your phone call. Mm -hmm. But the ones that give you that minute, the ones that do give you that chance to talk on the phone, I think that it's really being genuine, um, showing your passion for the industry and listening. Most of everything is listening to them. Um, asking the right questions and truly make them feel like you're listening and that you are there to help them out. Mm. I think that really, that's what makes you successful over the phone is, is 
is never give up trying because you might have to make a hundred calls to just get three people to talk to you. But the three people that talk to you, it's making them feel like you are actually listening and you actually can provide them with the best solution to help their business at that particular moment. How do you, like you said, you know, being human. So when you make that call, you know, you only have, like you said, maybe a minute, maybe even less to kind of make that connection. You know, what, like, how do you do that? Like, how do you make sure that they, like you said, make sure that they know you're also a human being? Is there any, like, I don't know, verbiage that you use that has been successful? Um, Well, to be honest, it's always on a day-by-day basis. I don't have like an exact per se verbiage, but I always, um, what I do, I always start by sending them some information via email before I even give them a call. Okay. And I make sure to research the lead to the maximum, to know who the owner is or who the person in charge of ordering the product is. It could be maybe the, you know, the manager, maybe it's the owner, maybe it's the esthetician, the one that is in charge to order the product. So you have to find, first of all, who you're going to be talking to. You have to research everything about their business. Um, Once you research about their business and you find how you can somehow bring your line into uh, how you can offer your line to them where it could be useful. Maybe they are missing a growth factor serum and you have one that you could really provide for some services that you see that could potentially work really well. Maybe they don't have a vitamin C serum, believe it or not. Some people actually don't. And you have this amazing vitamin serum that could really work well with everything else that they're currently doing. Whatever it is that they're missing, the gap, Mm-hmm. It's whatever you try to offer them and you give them a call. So obviously it's going to be a little bit different for everybody, but you just kind of give them a call and just tell them, Hey, I sent you some information about this line. I thought you would be a good fit because of these exact points, because I looked at your website and I saw you did the services and that you were lacking this particular product, for example. And I would love if you gave me a chance to give you a presentation for this brand. It would only take 10 minutes from your time. And I'll give you a, you know, kind of like a, a simple overview of our brand and what we are and our philosophy and our why. And if you love it from there, then we can set up another time to talk or we can continue talking. Does that sound good I love you? that. And usually people, if you explain to them that it's only 10 minutes of their time that you're going to take and that you really only want a chance to present to the brand. A lot of people are humans themselves and they do give you that chance. And once they give you the chance, that's whenever you truly try to shine, right? That's whenever you're going to prepare your presentation for them and try to give them the best presentation depending upon their needs uh, that you feel that could be useful, where you can actually position your brand to help them. Well, you must have been so instrumental. I mean, it must have been great for your inside sales team to have you as a manager because you've actually done the work and you've actually lived it. So what was that experience like for you managing a whole team of inside sales executives? I loved it. I thought it was an amazing um, experience just because it really taught me so much about being a sales manager. It's just so different. Whenever you 
are the sales executive. You're just taking care of yourself, your goals. You, you only have to worry about you. Whenever you're taking care of a sales team, that changes. And you have to learn how to make sure that they are delivering those kinds of results through your teaching. And all of them have different personalities. And you have to kind of learn also how to teach all of those different personalities. So for me, it was a, a growth experience overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I got more from it than anything is that I could teach anyone the industry. I can teach anyone anything about the industry, but I cannot teach anyone the passion, the enthusiasm, and the drive that it takes. That is something that I feel like it's a natural ability that you either have it or you don't have it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally can see that and I agree. And I think it's kind of, you know, when you're a sales executive, you know, I think you sometimes, I mean, I've done it, right? Where you're like, you kind of, you know, can criticize your sales manager or you think they don't know what they're talking about or you just roll your eyes. It's just like, but once you become a sales manager or, you know, a director of, of, of a sales team, it really kind of just changes your whole outlook and you just immediately want to go back and apologize to any manager that you <laughs> might have had and like gave them a hard time because it really can be a, a thankless job. It's, I mean, it's very rewarding to um, see your team succeed, but I mean, can you share like, like what, what, was, what did you learn most about yourself during that time? Because I think that's always the most important thing is that each job we have or each stage that we're in that we really look inward and see like what that taught us and and what did you learn i think it taught me to be a lot more patient to mm-hmm. others mm-hmm. it also taught me i i am i have this natural thing within me that i always strive to solve everybody's problems for them and i think a valuable lesson for me was that i really shouldn't solve anybody's problems anymore, but I should actually teach them how to solve their own and strategize. And I had to learn how to strategize with my self-esteem, how to come up with group solutions um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, they, that basically they could come up with themselves because I feel like when a self-esteem also creates their own solutions, finds their own solutions to their problems, they support what they created themselves more than what the sales manager creates at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that was a big lesson because I naturally want to always solve everybody's problems. And it was kind of learning that I have to step back and that I have to not do that for people, but more teach them how to do it themselves and be patient and learn how to teach that with all of these different personalities and how to appreciate everybody's different personalities. It was, I think that was to me the hardest part. Yeah, that, I think that's kind of the journey that, you know, all sales managers take and, you know, it's, it's definitely a growing experience and, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a learning experience to uh, go from a sales executive into a management role. It's, it's a whole different ball game, but so rewarding um, at the same time. And I jokingly say thankless because, um, you know, sometimes it is, but I think, 
you know, 90% of it is so rewarding. I want to get into the meat of your knowledge. So I know that you've prepared five tips for selling successfully over the phone. Can you share those tips with us? Yes, absolutely. Well, I think the first step, I kind of already talked a little bit about it, but it will be always to research your lead okay. before you proceed to contact them and create a plan for prospecting, right? Mm -hmm. So that's my number one, because I think that some salespeople just get some leads and they start shooting darts in the dark, blind. And I think that, yeah, maybe sometimes you'll get lucky and you open an account that way. But if you don't have a strategy plan and you haven't done the proper research for the account, maybe you'll open one every 200 accounts. Yet if you do your homework, you can really open sometimes 20 out of 100. Mm -hmm. It really is how much time are you going to put on research each lead? It actually does bring you so much more eventually by researching the lead than just throwing yourself in the dark and not knowing anything about the lead and just calling people not knowing anything about their business. Yes. So that's my number one tip. Okay. That's a good one. <laughs> my number two, I would say to listen. Um, I know that as a salesperson, sometimes we get caught up up on what we're used to saying to every customer when we call. Sometimes we get a little nervous and we start talking really fast and we don't let them really talk to us back because we're trying to say so much because we think they're going to hang up on us on the phone anytime. But the reality of it, they're a lot more apt to staying on the call with you if you actually just ask open questions. Um, some that can give you a lot of information about their business and listen to what they have to say so you can actually provide them with the very best solution um, and service that you can provide them. I think that if you do not listen to what they have to say about their business, you are missing out on a lot of great information that will help you know what direction to take in order to close the account. Good. I, I would say my number third would be to not let the bad days get to you. And always keep moving forward towards your goal because you're going to have a ton of bad days. You're going to have days where you have called 100 people and no one has given you the time of the day or it's been or everything has been a voicemail. And there will be days like that. But you just cannot let those days get to you energetically because your energy, I feel, is extremely important on how you are going to operate yourself moving forward every day. Mm -hmm. So you have to keep your chin up and you have to know that you're going to have more bad days than good days, but the good days eventually will make up for the bad days because eventually if you keep on doing your job and you keep calling a hundred leads every day, a hundred leads every day, eventually your pipeline will grow to where you will have a ton of prospects ready to close. Okay. You just have to be patient. And consistent. It sounds like, you know, you 
um, like when you're, when you're calling from home and you're, you know, working, how do you break up your day? I mean, that can get so monotonous. I mean, I know I used to hate making call after call. It just becomes, it's like, you'll find any excuse to avoid dialing a number, you know, you'll spend time <laughs> researching this account or you'll spend time, you know, getting on social media just to distract for a few minutes, you know, so anything to avoid making the call. How do you organize your day where you're really being consistent? Is, do you have any tips for that? Yes, that was actually my next tip. Oh, it was about okay. being persistent and patient. Okay. Great. But that's perfect. So it gives me like the next tip uh, ready to go. But basically, the way being organized is super important as a salesperson. You're totally right about that. Being patient and persistent is another one. Mm -hmm. So the way I organize my day, as soon as I, I start really, really early because I'm a natural, I just wake up super early every day without an alarm. I, I don't expect other salespeople to do this, but this is just my day. I like to be on the computer by 6 a.m., that's when I have my most energy. I know not many are like me, but I am a morning kind of person. So at 6 a.m., I just basically answer all of my emails that I might have. And if I have to do a mass email uh, to my accounts to tell them about a promotion or about new education that we're having, anything, I'll do it right then. Mm -hmm. Around 9, 10 a.m. in the morning is when I like to start prospecting because that's when people are open or they're about to open. And it's usually the best time to get a hold of anyone. I've tried this through many years now. And I tell you, it is right before they open their business or as soon as they open their business, that's usually the best chance you have mm -hmm. to get a hold of someone. Okay. If you call them later on the day, they're going to be busy with appointments and you're not going to be able, it's going to be basically leaving voicemails all day. Mm -hmm. So, to me, get the prospecting done first thing in the morning whenever accounts are just opening up and whenever you have the most energy within you because you need that kind of energy. You, you're going to need a lot of energy to prospect. It takes a lot out of you for people to be rude, for people to hang up, or for you to really give your best during a presentation. So get that out of the way so by the time you're done, uh, usually uh, after lunch, um, that's whenever your energy levels are down because you've already made all of your calls, you've already done all of your prospecting, and then you can concentrate on things that don't take as much energy, like taking care of your accounts, mm -hmm. uh, checking up on your accounts, seeing what their needs are, maybe doing some training, some Zooms, maybe some uh, presentations that you've already have set up. But like cold calling and things like that, just get it out of the way first thing in the morning. And I always do like a goal. I like to say, um, I'm going to look for 25 new accounts every day that I am in my office, in my home office, on top of calling a minimum of 75 to 100 people. Because with calls, you have to put that number. You have to have a goal. You cannot just not have a goal on how many calls you're going to make per day. Because really, it takes about 100 calls to get five people to 10 people interested. So if you are only making 25 calls, it might take you a week 
to get 10 people interested. I love that. I mean, I think that is some of the best advice I've heard for selling over the phone because it's so true. You just really have to be organized I and mean, you have to kind of explain it like I would procrastinate. And I think that's like the last thing you need to do. And I think doing it first thing in the morning, I mean, I know studies have showed if you do call between the hours of, you know, 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., you have a much higher rate of actually talking with somebody. So I love that. That's great. Yes, it's true. I've, I've tried every single time throughout the day, I tell you, and morning works best. I love it. So that was your tip number four? Number four. Three? Number four. Okay. And what is tip number five? The last one, it's more about a personality thing. And okay. I think it's very important. It's, it's just being genuine being true to yourself, being who you are, and never changing that about yourself. Um, not for anyone, because not every account is going to be a good fit. And that's okay. And you need to know that that's okay and be okay with that. But you don't need to be trying to change who you are in order to try to get every account, because you're going to end up with less accounts that way. Mm -hmm. So just be genuine. Be honest, never lie about any product that you're selling, tell the truth, and have a good energy. Like if you're having a really, really, really bad day, energetic-wise, you know, to where your energy level is just, it's just out, and you right. don't have any, any, any energy to give to others, maybe you need to talk to your sales manager that day and take off, take a, take a mental day off, because... In reality, or just don't prospect and take care of accounts that day. But in reality, you got to have 100% of yourself every time you make a call. So I think that having that positive energy at all times, setting goals for yourself, creating a vision board, it's so important. And, 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 this, and I know this tip is a little bit strange because it has nothing to truly do with like getting out there and selling, but that energy, that genuinity, that honesty, and those goals that you put on a vision board, that all makes a huge impact. Mm -hmm. And I have tried it also. I've also tried doing sales without this. And I can tell you that you just don't succeed without the correct mental energy at the moment. Like for me, sales is a mental game. Mm -hmm. And if your mind is not there, it's really hard to accomplish what you want to do. Mm -hmm. No, I love your, I love the last tip about energy because it is really important and we all have bad days and it's okay. You know, I think, um, you know, we're, you know, when you're in sales, you know, you're constantly, you know, trying to hit your targets and you're really focused on achieving goal and, you know, obviously servicing your active accounts. But that can kind of get you on a rat wheel. And it's really important to kind of take a step back and to check yourself and to give yourself some self-care, self-love. And it's okay to take a day where maybe you just don't have it in you and it's okay. It's okay to, to skip a day, to miss a day, right? I think so. I mean, I think that sometimes if you are in a really bad state because, I mean, things happen. I mean, maybe, maybe your dog died or maybe you're happy 
husband, I don't know, you found out he's cheating on you. It happened that are horrible. Oh my gosh. And that can These really take things. away that energy from your day. I mean, you know, I hope it doesn't happen to anyone, but it happens. And I mean, if, if, if a horrible thing like that is happening to you that day, well, maybe it's not the best day to prospect. Maybe it's the best day to just call your customers or send us emails right. or just not work and right. take your day off. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about mental health days. I think that that really should be part of the curriculum for sales. Is, you, know, you do need a, a, at least one, one or two days a month, aside from your weekends, where you just kind of have a mental day. Maybe you just go shopping, go have fattening foods, or whatever makes you feel good. <laughs> right. I think that I think that salespeople should have a la- an allowment of seven mental health days per year, at least. Mm. I I think, yeah, at minimum, at minimum. So now I know that, I I know I love your tips for people in sales because again, you know, with COVID-19, a lot of us are having to work more so on the phone and through video more than ever before, you know? Um, So I think these are really, really helpful. What advice would you give to, um, let's say, estheticians or people in, you know, the spa industry that maybe if they're, you know, were forced to close back down, you know, state mandates to close and they have to get, you know, they want to keep their business going. What are some tips that they can do over the phone? Like, do you have any recommendations for people? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that my tip would be get in touch with your rep. Mm-hmm. Retail sales are going to still make it during these COVID times. Okay. People do still need to wash their face. People mm-hmm. still need a cleanser. People are going to still need to put an SPF or hydrate their face. So create some sort of um, facial box, right, with your rep that will work for your customers that cannot come see you to have their... Uh, monthly facial at home and also that includes their home care so at least they can still work on their skin so whenever they come back and see you their skin is not just all over the place and you have to start all over from the beginning but they've been really working on their skin too so you don't have to work so hard on getting their skin back in shape Um, I think that I will tell them send mass emails to your customers Tell them that you are doing curbside delivery. Work with your reps. Some reps will be more than happy if the business is down to maybe help you with curbside delivery and come and pick up some of these boxes to deliver to your customers too. Mm -hmm. Um, Your rep will also help you with some of these phone calls. Um, You know, maybe your rep can do some sort of, um, you know, a schedule for their customers and their, you know, the, the the reps customers and their clients, the customers' clients, on getting in touch with them to put them on the best home care. Maybe do live um, on Instagram mm. and um, start doing some live sessions on uh, home, home facials. Um, also, maybe create online consultations. Online consultations with your customers that might want a facial analysis and what best products are to use at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, open your online store. Um, you know, create an online store where you can really service your customers through online. So it's really going to be more about social media, online sales, 
trying to keep those retail sales up because retail will save you during these times that your business is closed, yet retail is not going anywhere. Retail mm -hmm. is something that everybody still needs. People are going to still need food, just like they're going to still need, you know, to wash their face, moisturize. I know myself, even though I'm stuck at home, I still need my makeup. I still want to look good, even though I'm just looking at myself in the mirror. <laughs> Maybe well, I, not every woman is like me, but... <laughs> I love, yeah, I like I love your idea about um, partnering with your sales executive. So if you're an esthetician, you know, reaching out to your um, brand um, sales executive and coming up with creative ways to work together. And um, I think that is so great, like to use those resources of your sales executive because that's what sales executives do, right? They have the tools exactly. to help you sell if you're not 100% comfortable or if it's just not your bag of chips. Um, you know, rely on your brands to help you. Absolutely, because after all, that is telling the customer they are not alone. Mm -hmm. They have us to support the, you know, their account. Mm -hmm. And that's what also they're paying for. They're not just paying for the products that they're using in the back bar or, or the retail. They're paying for the whole experience, right? They're paying for the programs that the brand is offering to them. They're paying for the support that the rep is providing for them. Mm -hmm. And they just need to reach out to their rep because the rep has a ton of experience doing this on a regular basis and they can come up with amazing ideas together that will work best for their business and their clients to help them stay alive during this time and feel supported. Mm. I love it. I love all your tips, Virginia. I mean, you really, I mean, I, you know, can validate or verify, I guess I should say your success in, in just making tremendous strides just from selling over the phone. So um, I, I love your tips. Um, I really think that you really just have such a knack for that. And I'm just so grateful that you were able to come on and share some of your ideas. And, um, you know, in our show notes, obviously people can find you on social media and LinkedIn and they can connect with you and network. And, um, and I know you're always so gracious as to help, you know, other sales executives you know, reach their potential as well so they can reach out to you for any tips or even just to commiserate, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, Virginia, I want to end this call by asking you, you know, you've been in this industry, you know, 22 years. What has the beauty industry meant to you? I think that the beauty industry means the world to me. Um, it's just, I feel like the creativity is unlimited. It's always, you know, you're, you're always learning to be creative, always evolving with the latest trends. Um, you're also completely free to experiment and run wild with your own ideas within the industry. Um, but honestly, what has been most rewarding and what means the most to me in this industry is just helping other people. Mm -hmm. To boost someone's confidence and make someone feel good about themselves is an amazing, rewarding experience of its own. And getting to grow these relationships is extremely enriching personally. Um, so as an overall, I would say that the beauty industry will be 
has rewarded me with a creativity outlet and also helping others. I love that. And that's the reason we all have begun in this industry as a passion for beauty and a passion really for helping other people feel good about themselves. And your passion shows through every day in what you do. And I, again, just want to thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom on the Beauty Debut Podcast. It's been a pleasure, Virginia, talking with you. And thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Claudia. Have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you liked this episode, I would be grateful if you would rate and review and be sure to subscribe so you can get notified when the next episode goes live. To learn more about makeup, skincare, self-care, and my personal go-to products, visit thebeautydebut.com. Do you want to continue today's conversation? You can find me on Instagram at thebeautydebut and on LinkedIn at Claudia Fabian.